All right, let's go to the word. Father, we thank you this morning. God, we know you have fresh bread for us today. God, we thank you because anytime you bring your word, it makes a change in our lives. And God, what we ask of you this morning is to deposit in our spirit a word that will change us for good. And Satan, I rebuke you. I ask that you back away from here right now. You will not steal the word of God from our hearts. It will bear fruit a hundredfold. And the people of God say, Amen and amen and amen. If you would, go to Psalms chapter 1. We're going to read from verses 1 through 3. Uh, three and that's where I'm going to be bringing my message this morning. Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. The Bible says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path. The King James Version says, stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in that law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaves shall also not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. And whatsoever he does shall prosper. People with vision always take account of their lives. From time to time, if you are someone that God has placed a dream or a vision in your heart, from time to time, you need to take account of your life and see, God, am I on track? for what you've called me to do? Am I on track? Am I meeting the goals I have set for myself based on where I know you've called me to? If you are a wise man or a wise woman, you should do that on a regular basis. If not, what will happen is this. You wake up every morning, you go to bed every night, you don't name your day, you don't name your year, and before you know it, years have gone by and you've done nothing for the Lord. You've lived only for yourself. And so at this time of the year, in December, most people start to reflect. And they start to say, Lord, am I on track? Am I doing what you've called me to do? Am I living for myself? Or am I making my time useful in the view of eternity? That's how we should be. As a church, we are doing that right now. If you've noticed, we're making a lot of changes. We, all of us that were here on Wednesdays for five weeks, we went through the growth track. We tried to plug you in into a place where you can serve and meet the purpose God has called you to do. So as a church, we're doing that. However, as individuals, you need to do that also. And we cannot be trying to move the church in a direction when the people of the church are going the opposite direction. The Bible says, can two walk together except they be in agreement? So the word that the Lord put on my heart for us this morning is to make sure we are all positioning ourselves to receive more from God. That we are all in the place where when God's light shines on us, we are there. Because that's the only way you can get from God. I don't care what they've told you. 
Christianity is you doing your part so that God can do his part. Amen? So the position that you are in is very crucial. So that's why I came with this message, this word this morning. And it's simply position yourself for more. Position yourself for more. Position yourself so that you can get more blessings from the Lord. Position yourself so that you can get what you desire to do for the Lord actually happen. Because if you don't position yourself, I'm sorry, it will never happen. You can wish, you can dream, you can pray, but it won't happen. Amen? So here we see David, who wrote these verses of scripture, telling us what he knows through the Holy Spirit that we need to do to be blessed in the things that we do. Now, David, you all know, he was ordinary. He was an ordinary person, raised by ordinary people, but went through a great transformation. God took this man who was a commoner, who was in the sheepfold, cleaning the dung of sheep, and took him to, the ki to be king of Israel. He had his tribulations, he had his troubles, he had moral failures, he had an affair, and killed the husband of the woman he had an affair with, so David wasn't clean. So you can't say, oh Lord, I'm not good enough. Because the man who wrote these words was not good enough. But God used him. And at the end of the day, at the end of David's life, despite all he went through, despite the valleys and the mountains, God called him a man after his own heart. Can you believe that? Because God was looking at his heart. That's what he looks at. The Bible says God looks at the heart. Man looks at the externals, but God, this is where he's looking. And God called David a man after his own heart. And this, the son of God is called the son of David. He's not called the son of Joseph. He's not called the son of Abraham. He's called the son of David. Why? Because he knew how to walk God and get the blessings from God. And for him to write this, I think he has something for us to, to listen to. Because he was a man who was blessed. Now before we go, before I try to dissect and bring the truths that are in this scripture, let me first of all explain what the definition of blessed means. Because when we hear the word blessed, what you're thinking of is you have this big house and you have this nice car and you have a million dollars in your account. No. That's not blessed. That's part of it, but that's not all of it. To be a blessed person, it means you have an empowerment to succeed. You have an intrinsic, innate ability put by God on the inside of you to succeed despite whatever adversity you might face. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you have been there? They planned your funeral. They thought that was the end of your life. But somehow, you landed back on your feet. They thought, oh my goodness, he's never going to make it. They planned and did everything they could do to destroy you. But at the end of the day, you are still here today. You are a blessed person. You are blessed. That's what blessed means. It's not just the tangible, the money. You are a blessed person if you're here this morning. Sitting and listening in your right mind to the word of God. 
You woke up this morning, nobody needed to give you a bath. <laughs> you bathe yourself. There are some people in the hospital today, somebody had to bathe them. But you're here, nobody had to give you a bath. Nobody had to say, open your mouth and brush your teeth for you. You were well enough to get in your car and drive down here. You are a blessed person. You are the top 1% of the whole world. You are the top 1%. So don't sit here and say, I'm not blessed because I don't have money. So that's the definition of blessed. Now, also, the second thing about blessed is, blessed speaks to the end of a thing. Like cursed. Cursed speaks to the end of a thing. There's a process involved. And that's where we miss it. When God is taking us through the process, that's where we miss it. For example, Jesus, when he cursed the, fir- the fig tree, for a while the fig tree was green, right? People were like, okay, he cursed it, but it's still green. But at the end of it, it dried up. It's the same thing with blessed. You might have your difficulties, but at the end of your life, you are going to have something to say. You are going to have something to show for your life. Amen? So that's what blessed means. Now, let's go to the scripture. Let's look at the first thing David said we have to do. In fact, in these three verses of uh, scripture, we have three uh, don'ts and two do's. And I hope I have time enough to go through all of them. If not, I'll just wing it, okay? We'll make it work. But there are three uh, don'ts and Uh, to do's that you have to do those are the things that if you do them consistently that's the word right there consistently and persistently and I will go you know go to this there's one of them that I really we need to talk a little bit more of that because Christians think when they hit it just one time and it doesn't work then God is not in it and that's not the truth But there are five things that we're going to be talking about. The first one was, in verse 1, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel, in the counsel of the ungodly. What he's saying here is, I will not bless you with more. If you are taking advice, if you are living your life based on what the world is telling you to do. If you are seeking worldly advice, God says, I will not bless you with more. For example, if you have children and the world says, you know what? Listen to Dr. Phil on how to raise your child. Don't spank your child. Just sit down with him and talk to him like you would an adult. That's the counsel of the world, amen? The Bible says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. And the rod of correction drives that foolishness far away from him. Now, children, I know some of you are looking at me. Oh, no, Pastor Angela. That's what the Bible says. Now, your parents, if they listen to the world and decide you are going to be their friend when you're 10, 11, 12, 6, 7, 8, and they don't spank you when you do wrong, they are not listening to the counsel of God. They are walking and living by the counsel of the world. And when you do that, what you do is you place yourself in the natural world and not in the supernatural realm because the things of God are not the things of this world. The human mind can never fathom or understand the things of God. They are foolishness to him. And so when God tells you to do something, 
Even if you don't understand it, the ways of God are so much higher than our ways. So even if you don't understand it, you step into it and do it, you've just stepped from the natural into the supernatural. And when you do that, you place yourself in a position for God to bless you. That's just it. Because we, let's, let's just, there's too much. Yeah. Let's just go to what the Bible says. The way it is with God, I mean, this is not easy to do. It's not easy to do because when you have to walk in the counsel of God, it has to do with two things. You have to be willing to do two things. Let's go to Romans. Let's see what the Bible says. In Romans 12, chapter 12, verse 2, it says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So two things there that we have to do so we don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. The first thing he said to do is do not be conformed. Do not be conformed. And to be conformed simply means to shape around or to go in, transforma in, in transformation. Information, not transformation. Information. For example, I like to give examples. You see those birds flying? You have a lot of them. They are going in one direction. And all of a sudden, all of them, you don't even know what causes it, but all of them just move in another direction. Again, they move back in another direction. That's formation. And that's what God is saying. Don't conform, don't move in formation with the way the world is going. Because if you do that, when they all come down, you come down with them. That's what is going to happen. And then he says, when you don't do that, you are able now to be separate and walk in the counsel of God. And then he says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The only way you don't conform to this world is to be transformed in your mind. That's why I said it's not easy because our minds are not saved. When we get saved, our spirits are saved, but our mind is being renewed to think the way God thinks. And that's very difficult because you are what your mind feeds on. You will become what your mind meditates on. And that's why God said for you to be transformed, transformation takes place on the inside of you. It's like a moth turning into a butterfly. There's a process of transformation. But if that moth says, you know what, I'm not going to transform I'm not going to listen to what God says to do. Guess what? He will always remain a warm. So when God tells you to transform by the renewing of your mind, he tells you that when you use the word of God and you change your mindset, then the transformation starts on the inside of you. And it comes out on the outside. And then you are different. And then when you are different and you can think differently because the word of God has changed your compass, then you don't conform to the world. And when you don't conform to the world, you don't listen to their advice because you know this is the truth. This is the absolute truth. And that this is what I walk by. And God says, if you are that kind of a person, I will bless you with more. Are you all getting what I'm saying? I will bless you with more. The next thing, the next don't, he says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners. Now, before, when I read this, I used to think that 
it meant you stand in the way. This is a, a, a sinner coming, and I stand in his way, and I don't let him come to Christ. I become a stumbling, a stumbling block to him to come into the Lord. That's what I thought all this time when I read the scripture until I was doing this study. Actually, what it means is don't stand in the path in the way of sinners. Here you are, you are a believer. You're supposed to be in the narrow way that leads to life and godliness. But you decide to leave that way and come over and stand in the way of sinners. And what that actually means is don't have the tendencies or the ways of ungodliness. God says if you have the ways of ungodliness, there's no way I can reach you. You've taken yourself out of position. We know people that have ways, right? You are a Christian, but you have angry ways. You are a believer, you just have ways of looking down on people. You are a believer, but you just have those ways of being deceitful. You are a Christian, but you just have ways of controlling your wife or your husband. Your ways, God says, I don't want that. If you're going to be in this thing, be in it 100%. The problem in marriages today is not because your wife or your husband don't love you. They're fighting your ways. That's all they're doing, just wanting you to change those ways. You can do it. You do it at work. You don't go to work and give them hell. You're nice. No matter how angry you are, when you get to work, good morning. How's everybody this morning? They don't, you don't, I mean, you might love them, but not like the one that you're married to. Not like your children. If you can do that at work, you can certainly do it with the ones you love. Listen, you can do anything you want to do. What I'm finding out now is you can do whatever you want to do. It's a decision. Once you make up your mind, I will do it, you will do it. The problem with us is we are always half-minded, half double-minded in everything that we do. I'm glad we got a good praise and worship in this morning because I'm going to give it to you all like it is today. <laughs> I really want to do that, and I want to do that because if, we are go- if something is going to be different, then we've got to do something different. We can't keep doing the same things and expecting to be different. It won't happen. You can change your ways. The Bible says you, a man, can quench the Holy Spirit. Think about it. You can quench the Holy Spirit. You can control the Holy Spirit. You can decide when to speak in tongues and when not to speak in tongues. You, a man, can control God. And you're telling me you can't control your nasty mouth? Really? You can't control the way you talk to your wife or your husband? The one God blessed you with? You can't stop being mean and using those ugly words? It's because you don't want to. It feeds feeds something in you that you need to let go of. You You can't change. Anyone can change. And God says if you adopt the ways... Those ways, God says, I cannot bless you with more. You can't be blessed with more. Let's see what Proverbs 22 says. 
Proverbs 22, 24 through 25, it says, Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man do not go, lest you learn his ways and set a snare, a trap for your soul. Those ways we set a trap for your soul. We set a trap for your soul. Proverbs 19.16, it says, He who keeps the commandment keeps his soul, but he who is careless in his ways will die. That's scripture. If you're careless with your ways, I mean, for young girls, if you are a Christian, if you say you are a believer, you don't have to wear that dress up, 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 up to this point. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. You are not of them. You're not like them. You should dress modestly. Things that come out of your mouth cannot be the same things your, your mates in school are talking about or the words they are using. You should set yourself, this is the path. If you want to be an unbeliever, just go out there and do what they're doing. But if you do that, the Holy Spirit will whoop you so much that you, won't, you will be miserable. But if you're doing the same thing they are doing and you say you're a Christian, you're just as miserable, you need to set yourself apart. You are not of this world. You are not like them. You can't be dressing like them and showing your body to everybody. It's meant for who God wants for you to show it to. And when the time is right. Amen? Amen. God says, I will not bless you with more if you adopt the ways of sinners. The next thing he said was, don't sit in the seat of discontrol. That's a big one. That's a very, very big one. What God is saying there through David is, don't start congregating. Don't start hanging around. Or don't start interacting with bitter people. With bitter people. People who are so bitter, everything they see is negative. Everything they see is not good. Their cup is always half empty. They have nothing good to say about anybody. They are miserable. All they want to do is to pull down and tear down and condemn. God says, I don't want you having anything to do with those people. And the reason he says that is if you hang around those people and you interact with those people long enough, they are going to poison you with the venom that's inside of them. They are going to destroy you. Because before you know it, you're going to adopt their ways. You're going to see everybody negative. You're going to see everybody bad. Nobody's good enough. You're going to be complaining. God killed the whole... The, how many people did he kill in the, in, the, in, in the desert, in the wilderness? Why? Because all they did was complain. That's what bitter people do. You are around them, not even one minute, they are, they're already complaining. What this person did to them. What that person did to them. What this person took from them. What that person took from them. That's all they talk about. God says, I don't want you having anything to do with those kind of people. Don't be around them. And if you are a bitter person, if you're sitting before me this morning and you have unforgiveness against anybody, 
and you become bitter because of what you lost or what you didn't get, you better get that out of you. If you, ha- if you have to go to counseling, if you have to take medication, if you have to go on a fast, whatever it takes for you to get that bitterness and scorn out of you, you better do it. Because if not, it's going to kill you. Not just spiritually, but physically now. Because it's been shown that angry, bitter, scornful people are the ones that are sick the most. Because that thing will invite sickness into your body. You are just a moving magnet for sickness. If you carry hatred, bitterness, unforgiveness, all of that is tied up into scorn. If you carry that in your body with you. I can never forget when we first started this church. We, got, we had a member. He's not here anymore, thank God. Really, really. I'm, I'm happy he's not here. Because at a point, I just didn't like coming to church, seeing him. Because he's just, I mean, you, you, you kind of, he got to a point, he even gave us a book. Every minister is bad. Every preacher is bad. They have this, they have that. He had a book he gave Good Luck and I to read. And on the book, it says the secret, the secret lives of the, of the pastors you love or the preachers you love, something like that. And in this book, I mean, bigger than this Bible. He had read every single one, and he highlighted for us the areas, the places he wanted us to read. Yeah. And all he talked about was, oh, Benny Hinn, he did this, he did that, he did that. This pastor, he did that, he did that. Uh, Austin, he did that, he did that, he did that. I mean, I'm like, so is there any pastor that's good? Everybody has bad stuff. And he had read that book. I'm like, if you spend all that time reading, why can't you spend the same time reading your Bible? You have the time to sit down and read almost 300 pages of what this minister is doing wrong, what this one is preaching, the heresy this one is preaching, the the bad doctrine, the secret things in their life, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, God, please take this man out. I don't want to get be part of this. He, to this day now, I don't know where he is, but I can promise you, I can promise you without a doubt that he's miserable, that nothing good is going on in his life, I promise you that's what's going on. Because you can't have that amount of scorn, especially for the people of God, and be successful. It it won't happen. So if you're a bitter person, I don't care who dies. Some people get bitter because somebody died and left them. I don't care whatever happened. You need to get it out of you. And the first place to look at all the exes in your life, if you want to tell me you're not bitter, you have any ex in your life, you better go set your heart. You have an ex-wife, an ex-husband, an ex-boyfriend or ex-girlfriend, an ex-employer, an ex-employee, or an ex-associate, or whatever. Look at all the exes in your life. And go sit down with yourself in a corner and talk to God. Don't enter this new year coming with a heart of bitterness or scorn. Take it out of you. And I'm going to tell you how to know it's gone. Because I don't want to come here telling you to take it out and I don't tell you what to do. What I want you to do is to do this is to pray for them. Pray for that person as you would the person you love most. If your husband or your children are the ones you love the most, pray for that person the way you would pray for your husband or your wife or your children. 
And when you can do that, and you really cry and travel with, for them in your heart, with tears in your eyes, really wanting God to bless them and to increase them and to do good to them, if you can do that, you pass the test. So that's the test of bitterness. The day I learned that thing, it freed me up. Because when you first get on your knees before God, it's like, God, mm. God, mm. just kill them first before I pray for them, you know. And, it won't, and that's the truth. When you do that the first time, it's not going to be easy. I'm not going to tell you now you'll go home and go, oh, Lord, bless, bless. No, it's not going to be easy. It's, it's going to be tough. But that's what you need to do so that God can bless you. So that you can go into 2014 on a clean slate before the Lord. So you can position yourself for more of God. More of whatever you want from Him. More joy. More peace. Abundance in your body. Oh, anything you want from God, He wants to give us. He doesn't want to hold any. I mean, He gave Christ for us, for goodness sake. The Bible says if He withhold not Christ from us, what else did he hold back from us? We are the one holding his hand. And he can't reach us because we've taken ourselves out of the position he wants us to be at. Get rid of it, amen? Amen? Now, let's look at one scripture real quick before I go to the next one. Hebrews twelve fifteen. It says, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. So the root of bitterness is what takes root in your heart when you're bitter. And when that happens, it defiles anything you say. It defiles anything you put your hands to do. It just defiles everything. So that's why we need to get rid of it. So we've done the three don'ts, and we have two do's. Hopefully I can finish. The first thing that you need to do, when we read that scripture, he says, in verse 3, he says, He shall be like a plant, a tree, planted by the rivers of water, that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever, whatever he does shall prosper. Now, I should probably have started here. Because this is a big one. I think the greatest disservice that some of the faith teachers have taught the church have really, really, they didn't balance some things very well. And I think it's really hurting a lot of people in the church. Because it, they tell you, name it and claim it. Just name it and it becomes yours. Everything I put my hands to do become blessed. Why they didn't tell us or some of us, was that everything you do <laughs> needs effort. They grossly underestimated the effort needed for somebody to succeed in whatever you do. And so we have a lot of Christians who will pray and pray and pray and pray until they are blue in the face, but won't get up to go do anything. And what God is saying, God will not bless dysfunction. God will not bless, I'm going to say it again, God does not bless dysfunction. God blesses function. And if you want God to bless you, you've got to be doing 
something. You can't expect God to bless you when you are in your house. You don't put application in for a job, and you're expecting somebody to knock on your door and just hand you a job. It's not going to happen. If you want to own a business, you don't go to the first person and present your thing to them and they reject you, and you give up. Because God, okay, maybe God is not in it. Uh Uh-uh. Every successful person, every successful person had a mountain in front of them. Before you can make it in any arena, I don't care what it is, there's going to be a mountain in front of you. It's up to you to go there and either just do this to that mountain and expect it to move away, or you go in and say, mountain, you will have to move. And I will do what it takes for you to move. And when you do that, with persistence and determination, that mountain will move. I remember watching America Funny videos one time, and it was so clear when this thing was shown. I said, man, this is how life should be. They had this man sitting in his porch, and he had a sliding, like a sliding door between his living room and the porch. And there was this little dog. He wanted to go meet his, his owner, but this sliding door was in his way. And the little dog went there and scratched, and that thing didn't move. Scratched a little bit more, and it didn't move. That little dog, that dog probably about 10 pounds, moved all the way back and ran and flung himself. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this little dog flung himself on that door. The dog moved just a little bit. Oh, he went back even further and ran on that door and slammed himself. And I'm like, watching, I'm like, this dog is going to die. And that dog just slid open a little bit more. Went back a third time, all the way. Ran, and I kept thinking, oh, this is the definition of persistence. Went back, you know that little thing? Open that door. Open that door. And we believers, God gives you an idea. God gives you a promise. You go at it. (coughs) (coughs) Oh, okay, it's not supposed to be. No, no, give it all you've got. Give it all you've got. You have the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. The Bible says God has given to us exceeding and great precious promises. But it's by the working of that Holy Spirit that's inside of you. That power you have it. Go out and do it. And the Bible says when you start doing it, God will prosper it. God will not prosper what you don't do. Don't just hear anything I touch, surely must be blessed. It didn't just say touch it, it says push until you get your way. That's what God will bless. Listen, being a good wife or a good husband is not easy. It's not as easy as it was advertised on TV. You see those TV commercials? I've bought some exercise equipment before on TV. Because that person was just doing that on top of it. And they tell you, well, 15 minutes. If you do that 15 minutes in 30 days, you're going to look like this person. I'm like, oh, I'm buying it. <laughs> and they tell you it's, it's $39.99 in, in, uh, in six installments. And you don't hear six installments. What you hear is $39.99. And you see this person, no, 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 no stretch marks on her thighs and... She's looking good, and you're like, oh, I'm going to do that. 
And then you spend your money, and the first day you climb on that thing, you're like, it's not even five minutes, I'm about to die. <laughs> and you never use it. They never told you what effort it took for that person to do what he or she is doing. Don't ever underestimate the effort needed on anything you want to do. Before you start doing anything, sit down and count the cost. The Bible says it's a foolish man who goes building a house that doesn't sit down and count the cost because when you get started and you don't finish it, people are going to make, like, make fun of you and you're going to make God look bad. So consider the effort. Consider what it's going to cost you before you go into it. And the last one, I'm just going to quickly run over there. The last do is meditate on the word of God. Delight yourself in his word. You can do all these other things we talked about. And if you don't delight yourself in the word of God, it's not going to work. You hear what I've just said? If you're a believer, if the word of God is not like honey to you, if the word of God doesn't delight you, if your, your heart is not panting after his word, like the Bible says, my heart pants after you, Lord God, like the deer pants after water. If everything you are doesn't just want to just spend time in the word of God and enjoy him and enjoy his word, everything else we've said is not going to work. Because that's the foundation really of everything else. For you to have delight in the word of God. Because everything God is going to do for you, the Bible says here, it says it's going to be in its season. It says, but his delight, that's Psalm, uh, Psalms 1, 2, and 3. It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree that's planted. If you're going to be planted, stable, steady, you have to meditate on his word. Planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in its season. Because anything God is going to do for you has his own season. There's a season, there's a process involved. And the way you are going to survive that waiting period is when you're planted in his word. When you're planted in his word. When you eat that word and feed your soul and your spirit that word, you will have the stamina to wait before it's your season. Amen? He says that bring forth his fruit in his season. Whose leaf also shall not wither. That promise right there, I don't know if you really understand what it says. God says, while you are waiting for your season to bear fruit, he says, I will keep your leaves green. You will be leaf full. You might not be fruitful just yet, but you're going to be leaf full. Your leaves will stay green. God will sustain you. God will bless you. God will keep you while you wait patiently for your season. Amen? I'm here to tell somebody this morning that your season is here. 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 Hallelujah, your season is here. Your season is here. The enemy can't hold back from you anymore. Your season is here. Receive that from God this morning. God wants to bless you like you've never been blessed before. Don't look at what Mr. A has or what Mr. B has or what this person has. 
it's your turn. God says it's your season. I remember so well when we were at the worship center for years and years and years. I would wonder, God, why, why do you give good luck and I all these ideas? And we'll study and study the scriptures together. We'll write. I have sermon. I have books. I've written sermons. They're like this. I mean, notes upon notes. I'm like, God, why are you giving us all of this? God told us one day, said, I'm feeding what you're going to become. God is feeding what you're going to become. Bow your heads with me this morning. God is feeding what you're going to become. All those ideas God is giving to you, how to be a good wife and you don't have a boyfriend, you don't know what, what's going on. Why is he giving me all those ideas? All those business ideas he's giving you, God says, I'm feeding what you shall become. That's what I'm feeding. Father, we thank you. Oh, Father, we thank you this morning. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, you've never accepted him into your life, that's the basis for everything. You have to be his first before he can even bless you. If you're here this morning and you want to, you say, please, Pastor Angela, just pray with me. Or if you have a need in your heart that you want us to pray and believe God for. At the end of service, we're going to have the prayer partners in the front here. I invite you to come out and let's pray for you. But if you're here this morning and you say, please pray for me, I want to receive Jesus. Or I want to rededicate my life to him. Just let me see your hand up this morning. Let me see your hand up. All believers in the house, amen and amen and amen. Oh, I see one hand right there. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for that hand. And just say after me, everybody repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for shedding your blood on the cross for me. Father, I receive you this morning as my Lord and Savior. Wash away my sins with your precious blood. I thank you right now because I know that my name is written down in the book of life. Lord, I declare that I'm saved. I'm a child of God from this day onward and forevermore. Amen and amen and amen. And if that's you, please just fill out this form for us. The connections card, my decision today, just check one of those there. If you're committing your life to Christ, if you're renewing your commitment, if you would like to speak to somebody or you would like to be baptized, please fill that out. And also, if you have any prayers, that's very important. We have people who pray here every day. If you have any prayers, please fill that out also. And during the offering, just put that in the offering bucket. We are going to take our offering right now. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10. Malachi 3.10 says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And God says, Try me now in this. God says, Prove me now in this. When you give your tithes, you're proving God. <laughs> and no man will prove God. God will always do what he would do. But he says, if you give me your tithe, I will pour on you. 
He says, watch me as you give me your tithe and as you give me your offerings, just watch what I will do. If I won't bless you, that you won't even have enough room to receive it. So let's obey that command this morning and see what God will do for us. God has been so good to this church. We spent probably close to five, $6,000 for those five weeks on those Wednesdays we're feeding everybody. But our finances are still in place. God has blessed us because you are faithful givers. Last Sunday, Pastor, you know, we talked about this TV thing going on in Nigeria. We had a family just after service call us and write a check for $10,000. $10,000. Last Sunday, I just handed us the check. Right now, we have a little over 30000 We haven't had all the promises. Some people gave, you know, vows and promised to bring, you know, money in. We haven't received everything just yet, but it's all coming in. And if everybody who made their promise bring their money in, we have a little over 30000 to cover the whole year of TV ministry in Nigeria. That's because you are givers. And I want to thank you this morning. Thank you. Thank you for what you've done. Only eternity we know when we get to the other side that we will know what your giving has done. When you see all those souls that your giving has brought into the kingdom. Amen. Everybody has their offering uh, thing ready. Let's pray. Raise your offering to the Lord. Father, we thank you for the ability to sow into your work, Lord. Father, as we give this offering to you, Lord, we know it will come back to us. Your word says, cast your bread upon the waters, and in many days it will come back to you. Father, I thank you because your word says, pressed down, shaking together, running over, men we give into our bosom. Father, we give this to you as a sacrifice right now because we love you, Father. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to worship you with our offering. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. God partners to please come out here hallelujah hallelujah before we dismiss if you have any need the bible says when two shall agree as touching anything by them on earth here it shall be done by our father in heaven